Why do we work hard to solve small problems? Why do we reinvent ourselves and our clients over and over? And why are we giving away marketing strategy for free? It's time to bring home bigger paychecks. It's time to create the lifestyle we deserve and to make a greater impact. This is the Fractional CMO Show, and I'm Casey Stanton. Join me as we explore this growing industry and learn to solve bigger problems. Hey, it's Casey. Welcome back. In today's episode, I want to talk to you about an event I just went to and something that felt really clear to me about the value that we provide as a fractional CMO. So I flew out to Nashville uh, to my buddy Kevin Rogers' event. He hosts an event called Copy Chief Live. I've been to a few of them. Uh, I think two in Florida. Uh, one, I had a bad burrito <laughs> before the event and um, spent spent the weekend uh, hugging a toilet. Um, but I went to the other one and had a great time and went to this event. And uh, I was I was just like reminded of the value of good copy. Man, is it infectious. I sat next to a copywriter from Stansberry and the way he just talked, the way that he could just use language to get me excited about an investment opportunity, right? This is a control that he was working on that they were going to mail later this month. And just like hearing it, I was like, wow, this is so good, right? He's like, the way he talked about, um, a historical context and like applied it to today and made me feel like it was the secret that I was missing. And I, I just really love copywriting. The way that I got into marketing uh, as a kid was I was reading Boys Life magazine. And really, I read just the back of Boys Life magazine and I read the little space ads. And there was an ad for creating a, a hover, like a hoverboard out of a couple of um, leaf blowers. And that always just stuck with me, this idea that a few words could elicit such a feeling of magic. Like, great copy is just so infectious. I just love it. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I like being around copywriters because they tend to be really smart people. And they tend to think about uh, the way that something maybe common that can help people can be sold in a way that is uncommon, that can really change the way people kind of make a decision or behave. It's just such a, it's just so exciting to be around good copy. Um, you know, reading people's copy, getting on their email newsletters, uh, seeing like the angles that they come with, uh, their use of tonality or of sarcasm, which obviously is difficult to express in, in marketing, uh, especially like written um, copy. But like, just like the myriad of ways to be a good copywriter. Oh, so exciting to see people who were telling personal stories or speaking as if they're the brand. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just a great reminder at how important copy is. You know, I, I've gotten emails, and I think I made a podcast about this before, uh, of people who've said like, you think copywriters are marketers? That's so ridiculous. And I just don't understand where their frustration's coming from or like their disbelief. To me, the copywriter knows what the buyer wants and they're able to like find those hot button issues and just press them, right? Just kind of punch those issues to get someone to want to buy. Now, a copywriter can be unethical if they're taking really good persuasive copy and then selling just like a bag of sawdust. Sure. But generally speaking, 
copywriters matched with a good product team can make beautiful things happen. And they don't need to have an attractive funnel. Oftentimes, these funnels are very clear and direct. It's a single page with an order button that goes to a shopping cart that has a few testimonials on it. Right? Yeah, there's like an abandoned cart email sequence. Sure, maybe there's a, a exit intent pop-up that says, hey, before you go, you know, get this deal. Sure, those things might exist, but it's not like the copywriter, like great copy doesn't need all the tricks in the book. Great copy oftentimes can stand on its own. It can be sent as direct mail. It can be on a long-form webpage. It can be a YouTube video. And as you think of infomercials, you might think, yuck, but like maybe you're like me and you're like, oh, sometimes I like to watch late-night infomercials when I can't sleep because they're fascinating. Right? I like to watch a long VSL about foot fungus because it's fascinating. I'm going to learn something, right? I just, I just think that, that that style of copy is important, and if it's as good as it can be, like truly it's excellent, it's well-written, it's clear, it, it identifies problems and provides a solution and reduces risk and provides proof, and um, you know, I can get started for a low price. If it follows like that type of pattern, it kind of becomes a no-brainer to buy it, right? to buy whatever that product or service or idea is that's being sold. So love copy. Um, and, and, and again, like, I went to the event, you know, excited to see some old friends and um, kind of hang out and, and drink from a bit of a hose. And it's just, it, I was just delighted to kind of come back with this remembrance of how important great copy is and how kind of intoxicating it can be. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I encourage you just to like go over to the news website, you know, a big news website, go to Fox or CNN or whatever. And scroll down past the, like, click on the main article, scroll down past it, and you'll see a, um, like, a grouping of ads. And those ads are probably delivered by Taboola or Outbrain or Yahoo Gemini or one of these other native ad companies. And just, like, start poking at them. Just start clicking those ads and seeing where they take you and see if any of them have a video sales letter or, like, a really long sales page. And if they do, just take the time to consume it. Gundry, MD. G-U-N-D-R-Y-M-D has incredible VSLs. That's a video sales letter. That's long form sales copy that's just spoken into like a PowerPoint and then a screen recorder. Sometimes they add some video to it, but like generally speaking, it's kind of low budget. And it's just, it's just really interesting to, to consume that. It's like a great book, you know, like when you read it and every word takes you to the next word in such a natural magnetic way. You feel pulled to the end of the book, not just to the end of the page. You like want it. And you don't even know what it is until you get to the se uh, section about it, right? Like that's, the, the, there's, there's just something about that, um, that if you don't know what I'm talking about, I want you just to kind of get into it. Just go find those great sales letters and uh, consume them because it's that great sales letter that is the most persuasive salesperson speaking Right? If a persuasive salesperson was on a phone with someone, they might use some of the lines from that sales letter. But you just document it into a sales letter, and then you can multiply your efficacy by sending traffic to it. That's this idea of, um, you know, like uh, salesmanship multiplied is the definition of advertising. You're just multiplying the salesmanship of an individual. All right. So while I was there, just kind of uh, drinking from the well, really enjoying myself, learning. Uh, 
I spoke with um, someone who was looking for a fractional CMO. Two people said, hey, you got to go meet this woman. She's looking for a fractional CMO. I was like, okay, great. I'd love to talk to her. And I met her and she was delightful and she's got a successful business. It's a low seven figures business. Um, and she's a good marketer, you know? I mean, by all measures, she's probably a great marketer. And um, she's in the launch model, which if you're unfamiliar with this idea, it's that you launch products at some kind of regular basis. So think of like the iPhone keynotes, like the big events that Apple has where they launch the new iPhone 15 Pro and Pro Max and, you know, uh, whatever, iOS 17. And like all those things happen at an event. Think about that. And then the carts only being open for like, let's say a week to purchase iPhones. And then they don't let you buy the iPhone until the next uh, launch. That's the typical process. And that that was all coined and, and really kind of created by a guy named Jeff Walker. He's got product launch formula. So this woman is running product launch formula. And I asked her, like, how was her most recent launch? And she said she just had recently wrapped it up. And it was really stressful. Right? And kind of like walked me through energetically how it was. It started off strong, and then a big lull, and then worried, but kind of used to it, but still worried. And at the end, the numbers kind of came through and she did great. And that's the model that she's in. Now, if you have a product launch formula style launch model, you're going to have to be a good marketer. You have to understand scarcity and pricing and bonuses and upsells. You have to get timing and, you know, a multi-part content uh, structure when you do a launch. Jeff's model is to do like, hey, we're doing this big event next week. You should come. And then you come next week and he says, here's your first video. Come back tomorrow for the next video. Come back tomorrow for the next video. So it's a three video sequence. And then on the third day, um, they open up the carts. You can buy. And then there's a limited time to purchase inside of. That's the general idea. And timing might be different on that. Videos each might be live for two days instead of one or something like that. But that's the general idea. She's a good or great marketer. She's got a successful business. She does a, seems like, I read some testimonials on her site, she seems like she's very competent and delivers value for her clients. And I started asking her kind of, you know, diagnostically, what's going on in the business? And I was like uncovering some stuff that I was like, oh, like this is an easy fix. And oh, that's an easy fix. And I said, and I said this to her, I said, listen, if you want to just like sit down right now for the next hour, I'll tell you anything I can. I'll give you any idea I have. But here's the problem. The moment the conversation's over, what are you going to do with the ideas? What do you need here? She's like, I need a marketing leader. I need someone to come in and lead my team. Lay out the strategy, lead the team. Right? She needs to be working on customer uh, fulfillment, potentially, or just running the business as a CEO and then hiring someone else to lead customer fulfillment and service. She certainly doesn't need to be the person leading the marketing launches. So the point of this is that a business owner needs to be a business owner. When you start your business, let me just tell you, like when an entrepreneur starts their business, this is not a fractional CMO. This is just like a general entrepreneur. When they start their business, the first million dollars that that business makes, like the first million a year that they make, like when they get up to that seven-figure run rate, when they're starting to hit whatever, $82,000 a month, $83,000 a month, when they get there, they build that on their own promotion. It's rare that someone gets to a million dollars first by just like running ads because ads are expensive to get started. You got to build up a book of business. You got to build up some recurring revenue based on your 
understanding of the market or relationships that you have, or just like going out and doing sales yourself. That's how you just start a business. That's, that's the, the truth of it. And past that million, when you want to go from 1 million a year to like 10 million a year, you really have to lean on um, the product, like what you're selling, right? You got to just make it better and better and better and better. And then finally, to go from 10 million to like 100 million, you really have to focus on the team. It's your team that's going to take you from 10 million to 100 million. So when I think of this woman and the product that she created and like how she did it, she just like worked her butt off, created a great product or service, sold it direct, brought in some other people to help on the sales side, was doing marketing, has other people doing some of the marketing, but she's still the marketing leader. And if she wants to go from that low seven figures to that you know eight figure mark, she has to be leveraging other people so that she can refocus and recommit to improving the product. The product is the thing that has to get improved. It's going to create better testimonials, social proof, word of mouth, et cetera. She's going to be able to leverage that more. Right now, she's stuck in the marketing role of just like doing marketing labor, of like writing email copy. And like, that's not a great spot for her. It's an absolute limit on where she is and what she's doing. So if she can get out of that role and have someone else lead the marketing team and then have a short meeting with her every week or every other week to tell her, hey, here's the status of where things are, she'll feel a deep sense of confidence and be able to focus on other things in the business instead of just like stressing out about the marketing uh, copy or the marketing uh, launch or you know whatever the marketing issue is. Another thing I noticed is in, in talking to some folks at the event, is just how some folks don't get tech. And I have an unfair advantage. I grew up very technologically savvy. My dad worked for IBM for 26 years. And when I was a kid, I was like the first kid in the neighborhood who got a computer in the house. I wasn't given one, but like we had one. I was on Prodigy back in the day, right? Like I just grew up in it. I was like kind of the first generation of digital natives. When I was a senior in high school, they rolled Facebook out to whatever, 10 universities. And then the second group of universities that got into it I was in and I had just gotten accepted there. So I really was on Facebook just about as early as I could have gotten on Facebook. So I really kind of, in many ways, grew up on the tech space. And that means that, you know, I spent some time coding websites and um, like text editor and Dreamweaver and whatever. So I understand some of that basic kind of infrastructure around websites and how they work and what a JavaScript script is and how to open and close an HTML tag, which you know, a lot of people don't need right now because there's website builders that do all that stuff for you. You don't have to get into the code and learn it. Um, but I, I, I've just been familiar, familiar with it for just kind of uh, as a matter of course, right? Just maybe an interest and desire to kind of learn more and how things work, um, but also kind of right place at the right time. And I'm certainly not proficient. I'm not great at it. But in looking at the technology that some folks had on their website from this event, surprising, right? They have Google Tag Manager, on their website, and then a bunch of other tags that are included, hard-coded on the website, which feels kind of silly, right? They hard-coded in the header of their website or in the body, um, like at the bottom of the body, uh, scripts that should have just been in Tag Manager. And they had scripts that were for services that they were no longer using, which were unnecessarily bloating the pages and reducing page load time. And you know, those kind of technology issues. Um, someone asked me at the event, they said, hey, what CRM do you recommend, Casey? And, you know, that's that's akin to asking me, um, what kind of car do I recommend? The next question is, how many people are you driving? And what's important to you, right? Because the answer might be a school bus. The answer might be a Ferrari. I mean, it, it's really dependent, right? What CRM do you recommend? I mean, I, I can't answer that. 
See, there are people that don't understand the technology side, and they're going to go make bad decisions. And if you say anything to these people, oh, I recommend this CRM, they're going to go make a bad de- a, a decision based on your input potentially and blame you when it doesn't work out. And it didn't work out because they asked you a bad question and you gave them an answer that you shouldn't have given them. What these people need is a leader. Let's go back to that idea. A leader. What does a leader do? A leader knows what good copy is. A leader knows when they're kind of enchanted by copy. I, I spoke to a woman um, who was a copy chief and uh, I said to her, how do you know when a headline is the right headline? And she goes, oh, it's when you're a little pissed off that you didn't think of it yourself. And it seems like it was there all along. That was her answer on how to know if a copy headline was a great headline, like an ad headline was great. So good. So you, as a fractional CMO, have to know what good copy is. You have to have this feeling of like, oh, that's right. You also have to be the leader. You have to be the person that the CEO can look to and say, what's the status of all marketing? Not, hey, are you working 60 hours this week to get everything done? Because that's not your job. Your job is to know the status of everything and be the leader. I was recently... um, at a uh, Revolutionary War reenactment. I live near Germantown, Philadelphia, which is where the Battle of Germantown was in October of 1777. And I just find it fascinating. My house is kind of on the, uh, in the area where Washington's army advanced and went over to the Cliveden House, which was a stronghold held by the Brits. And we lost a lot of American soldiers there. Um, we retreated up to Militia Hill for a night or two and then um, left a couple guys there to kind of defend it and then rolled up to Valley Forge, got strong, then came back and then defeated the Brits. So like a very important battle and really the last battle, as I understand it, that the Brits won happened um, just a short walk from my house. So I went over to this kind of reenactment uh, at the Cliveton house and they had George Washington's tent there, like a, um, a replica of it. And they said they have actually the original one at the Revolutionary Museum, Revolutionary War Museum, uh, the, the Museum of the American Revolutionary, something like that, uh, American Revolution, downtown Philadelphia. And it was, you know, like a replica of it. It was like kind of perfect. And they had, his, you know, Washington's bed inside. And it was very cool to see. And there were a couple men that were dressed up as uh, Revolutionary War soldiers. And excuse me for not knowing their ranks, okay? Um, but they had muskets, right? They had these long guns. And I was talking to them about it, and my son was like loving it and enjoying kind of checking everything out. And um, I said, yeah, but the guy over there, uh, why does he just have a sword? Right? And they said, oh, he doesn't have a gun because he was whatever the term is of the leader of, of that uh, armed group. And his job was not to have a gun. And I was like, why? It's like, because his job was to know where to send men and to like lead them and not spend his time just like stuffing muskets and black powder down the barrel of a rifle to shoot at, you know, the, the Brits. And I thought about that. That leader of that cavalry, I hope I'm saying that right, His job was not to hold the gun, but to lead the men who were. Apply that to you. Your job is not to write the copy, but to send in the copywriter when it's the right time. It's not to understand everything about tech. It's to ask the right questions to know who you should send in. 
It's to hear the question, hey, what CRM do you recommend? And then you say, I'm going to stop you right there. Let me go talk to a CRM expert who doesn't have a financial um, benefit if we choose their CRM and try to get a clear answer on what we need as our CRM. Why don't we like our current CRM, right? Like you're going to ask those questions because you're a leader, right? You're, you're going to march into battle. You're going to lead the team to a launch or, you know, however the business sells its products or service. You're going to be there and you're going to lead them. You're not the one there digging ditches. Maybe to help with morale, you're going to dig a ditch once a year, every quarter, something like that, right? You're going to be there with them. You'll write a couple emails. You'll, um, you'll do that kind of stuff. But generally speaking, you're the leader. You need to lead. And every time you take your limited hours that you can work and you go help a client write copy or you help a client build a funnel or you help a client choose the right CRM instead of choosing the person to choose the right CRM, you reduce the availability that you have to solve the bigger problem, to focus on what else is coming. And the risk here is so substantial. You know, someone told Washington um, they were going to advance past the Cliveden House and not really battle it. And they were going to go into Philadelphia and, and really kind of go to like the British stronghold. Actually, they were going to go into Germantown. And they stopped and they, um, one of uh, Washington's um, uh, men said, you know, as he was like reading a book on war, he said something to, 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 the, to the tune of, you should never leave land with an enemy fortified castle behind you. Like that's a bad place. So Washington went back there to, to fight and lost a bunch of men. And, and it was a really terrible, terrible battle uh, for the Americans. Um, and it was because he had bad information and made a bad decision. And I think it's kind of gone down in history as a poor decision for him. Making smart decisions is more important than writing copy yourself. Making great decisions is more important than you getting in and fixing the funnel to get it live today. Most often, right? Very rarely do you actually need to go in and do the work yourself. So I want you to remember, even a great marketer, this woman, even a great marketer herself, she didn't want a direct report in as much as she didn't want like a funnel builder, copywriter, you know, whatever. She wanted a marketing leader who could lead the team. She might have some great ideas too. She needs a leader to lead the team. Okay. So that's what I want you to sit on. How are you a leader? How are you leading companies? How do you get yourself to the role of leader and stop being the doer, the executor of all the work? If you can get there, you'll find that you're going to increase your paycheck. You're going to make more money. You're going to make a bigger impact. You're going to have more fun. You're going to be able to work with more clients. You're going to be able to increase that impact again, again, and again. And you're going to find yourself at that income level that you want. You know, I think that you can get to a half million dollars a year as a fractional chief marketing officer. I think that's absolutely possible, more so now than ever before. I'll tell you, when I was selling fractional CMO services years ago, hard. No one had ever heard of a fractional CMO, right? Now it's at least a little more common. It's a great time to be a fractional CMO. And there are tens of millions of small to medium-sized businesses in the US, and you only need, what, three, four, five clients to pay you for you to make a half million dollars a year. So the odds are in your favor as long as you step into the role of leader, all right? If you want my help, come... Come join us. Come uh, book a call with my team. Go to cmox.com slash call and book a like super like chill uh, call with my team. It's about 15 minutes long. They'll ask you some questions and even see if we can help you. Okay? Go to cmox.com slash call and I'll see you later. Take care. Thank you for joining us for today's show. 
For more information and episodes, visit our site at fractionalcmoshow.com. Go ahead and punch that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot, at least to my mom. 